Hello and thank you so much for tuning into the Education Burrito, podcast that unwraps the everyday challenges in learning and teaching in education, exploring the ins and outs and highs and lows and different pedagogy approaches, enhancing student engagement amongst everything in education. My name is Q Sum and each episode I'll be joined by special guests as we unwrap the Education Burrito. Hello and welcome back to another Education Burrito episode. Today, I'm joined by someone who is all about arms, hands, legs and feet in their day job and passing their knowledge to the next generation. They're also a facilitator trained in the Lego Serious Play methodology. They're very passionate about enhancing the student experience by focusing on improving student engagement, using social media in learning and teaching and incorporating playful learning. What's more, they have been nominated and shortlisted for several Teaching Excellence Awards, including a highly commendation for UK Council for International Student Affairs for their work using Lego Serious Play to enhance participation of non-native speakers of English in group work activities. And oh, if you follow them on social media, you'll most likely see that they are on their little scooter going to places and are usually bouncing and flipping around trying to get into the next Olympic Games. But anyhow, can you guess who is joining me today? It's the fantastic, the one and only Suzanne Faulkner. Suzanne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me, Q. I'm delighted to be here today. Of course, of course. Have you been flipping around recently? Well, on Sunday, so Sunday night I do an adult gymnastics class, which almost just sounds rude. But <laughs> uh, So yeah, every Sunday night, um, yeah, get involved in trying to recreate things I used to be able to do 20 years ago. But it's lots of fun. Oh, wow. So you are a secret gymnastic then? Well, I was British champion in sports acrobatics at the age of 10. <laughs> and my career oh, wow. downhill after that, really. But, but I, I did gymnastics, sports acrobatics till I was um, 24, till I, till I moved uh, down to London. Yeah. And you decided to be an academic after all <laughs> and not go down that route. Absolutely. <laughs> I was never I was never on track to go to the Olympics. In fact, well, acrobatic gymnastics isn't an Olympic sport, so not yet anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, today I've invited you to kind of speak about your work. But before we get into that, for our listeners who don't know you very much, could you give us an overview of what it is that you do on a day to day basis? Sure. So I'm a teaching fellow in prosthetics and orthotics at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow. Uh, I've been teaching there since 2007. So I teach on the orthotics side of the programme, specifically teaching foot orthotics and spinal orthotics and introduction to prosthetics and orthotics uh, in the first year programme. So it's a lot of hands-on clinical work, uh, which obviously uh, has been impacted greatly due to the pandemic. But I'm delighted to say that we're now back on campus with patients, uh, students are wearing visors and wearing masks uh, and we've got patients back on campus. And actually one of the positive sides of this is that our class sizes have had to reduce to be able to be able to see patients safely uh, on campus. And that's actually been fantastic from a teaching perspective, having these smaller groups of students in because you can get more kind of one-to-one uh, attention in these clinical sessions. So I guess from that perspective, there's, there's definitely been positives uh, from the pandemic for us. That, that, that sounds brilliant. And I think I'm sure you and your students teaching that sort of module and course is very difficult to do online. So I guess you're all very pleased when we got to see each other, right? Right. Absolutely. And I think specifically for our first year group that started during the pandemic, 
the teaching resources, thankfully, the, the year previously, I had taken lots of videos of patient assessment techniques, which I had then loaded onto a Padlet. So typically, we would do these patient assessment techniques in a class with the students practicing on each other. We weren't able to do that. Students are international students were still at home uh, and we weren't allowed on campus. So thankfully having these videos allowed the students to practice, watch the video, practice on a family member at home and also to record their attempts, which they uploaded onto a Padlet, which I could then give them feedback on. So it was quite lucky that I had those resources uh, to be able to use to facilitate the clinical work that we that we couldn't do on campus. Now that's great. And you've picked up quite a few important aspects there. For example, you've given the videos for students to work at home with their friends and or families who's living with them. But actually, you've touched a point that is very important about engaging students during the pandemic. So as we all know, well, for those who followed you on social media, you're kind of a Snapchat queen, am I right? I think that's fair to say, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> quite often on Snapchat. And I think for me, it's all about engagement and thinking about ways that I can engage with the students. And the reason that I came to using Snapchat was um, I had set up a, a forum on my place, which is our university VLE based on Moodle, to try and get some engagement going with the class, giving them an opportunity to ask questions that I could respond to. And there was literally zero engagement, like nothing, no questions, no comments, nothing. So thankfully, I mean, our year group sizes are quite small, maximum of usually about 30, 40 students per year group. So you get to know the students really well. So a couple of days later on campus, I just said, like, I'm just wondering why. It was on the run-up to exams. The students have always got questions on the run-up to exams. So I just said, a bit puzzled as to why there was no uh, engagement with the forum. And the students were like, oh, it takes about three clicks to get to that. You have to log into the university system and then through the VLE and then find where, where the forum is on the VLE. And I said, well... What, what alternative? Where would you like me to communicate with you? Because I, th- I think it's important that we can have this dialogue to be able to communicate with each other if, if you have questions. And it was them that suggested Snapchat. And at that point, I did have Snapchat on my phone. I had maybe used it twice for, I don't know, taking a, a picture of the filter with rabbit ears or something like that. But I'd never used it really. I never even sent the pictures to anyone. Like I'd never used it for any other purpose. And it was the students really. So it was very much working with students as partners that, that really was the initial generation for me using Snapchat as a tutorial tool. And the students were brilliant. They said to me, oh, um, you'll want to be on ghost mode. And I was like, have no idea what you're talking about and for those of you who are not familiar um, with Snapchat I think now automatically you're put onto ghost mode unless you select uh, not to be on ghost mode but it tells you with alarming accuracy where the people that you follow on Snapchat are and that's meant to be used for like down to the street or the house I think it's really quite accurate and it's meant to be used so that if you're out on a night out or you want to be up with friends you can see where your friends are but quite clearly, um, it's not really information that you want to be sharing with all of your students. Eh? So it was them that said to me, right, you want to be in ghost mode. They helped me to create my Bitmoji. So I'm not sure, I know Q, you're familiar with what a Bitmoji is, but essentially it's like an avatar that you could have characterised uh, to make it look like yourself. Uh, and the students were instrumental in making sure that my avatar looked like me. So that was really helpful. So yeah, and the first Snapchat message I sent out was, it was nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, one Saturday night. I was literally just playing about with it. And I sent out an x-ray and I asked the students to identify. There was a specific part on the x-ray that highlighted pedicles that we used to indicate rotation as part of spinal deformity of scoliosis. So I asked them a question about what this particular part was. 
And as I said, it was a Saturday evening and within five, ten minutes, I had ten responses. Now, these students could have been in the pub. They could have been sitting on the sofa. They could have been anywhere. But the point is they chose to engage at that time. And I guess that was just the the start of of it for me to realise, actually, students are keen and this is a way, an easy way to engage with them. And from that, it really became... I usually, when I start a Snapchat tutorial, I'll ask a few questions and get the students to, to respond to those questions. But then it's kind of evolved to the students asking me questions and the students actually are able to answer each other as well. So on the Snapchat group, previously, a couple of years ago, the maximum number you could have on one Snapchat group was 32. Now I think it's about 64. So that works for some year groups. I had to have two Snapchat groups because I couldn't fit everyone on the one group. But now because it's 64, I can have the whole year group or everyone who wants to be on it eh, on, on one chat. Eh, and that works really well. But one of the interesting aspects is that the students can answer each other's questions as well. So it doesn't always have to come down to me providing them eh, with answers or facilitating them to, to get the answers. They can actually help each other out. And I think they, they quite enjoy that. And obviously, if they're going wrong, then I've got the ability to look back eh, on posts and say, OK, I'm, I'm pointing them in the right direction. Wow. I mean, <laughs> you've just shared that whole massive story about how you got involved. And what's one interesting I found was that it was student, the students who alluded to the idea yeah. rather than you telling them to use Snapchat. Yeah. I mean, how did you feel when they first initiate the idea saying, oh, we would like to use Snapchat to engage with one another? How did you feel? I think that feeling would be, was it shocking or was it like, what is this? And, <laughs> Do you feel like that privacy between being a professional was somewhat kind of merged, become a grey area to your own personal life? Yeah, I think for me, because I wasn't using Snapchat for any other use, I don't use it socially, I don't use it with my friends. My friends are all a bit older, I'm 43. Uh, so we're not really a Snapchat generation. So it's not as if I was using it in my private life. So for me, when I started using it, it was uh, using it um, academically. And my students as well, they can... I, I don't go and look at their snaps, but they can block me. So, and I always make sure that they know that because I know that students use uh, Snapchats or on nights out and they might post pictures that perhaps they wouldn't like other people to see. So I make sure they know that, yeah, they can block me. And for me, I don't know, I'm, I'm always keen to try something new. It wasn't shocking for me. It wasn't scary for me. I just thought, well, if it's going to help engage, uh, enhance engagement with the students, then then I'm absolutely up for giving that a go. And I think to some extent, you just need to be brave sometimes, don't you, just to try something out. And if it doesn't work, you don't continue doing it. But thankfully, I think it was 2018, um, I started using Snapchat with the students and, and I'm still doing it. And actually this year's first years and each year group, and I think it is important to ask them, where do you want me to communicate with you on? I don't always assume the students want to use Snapchat. But the first years always hear from the second years <laughs> that I use Snapchat with them and they're always keen uh, to start using it. So um, so I did say to them this year, I said, is, is Snapchat where you want me to be? Or I know you've all got a class Facebook group. Do you want us to have a Facebook group instead? They were like, no, Snapchat. <laughs> so, and for example, one of the, I asked the students actually um, just before, earlier on this afternoon, I said, oh, I told them I was coming on a podcast and I said, I'd just like to get some feedback from you about what it is you like about using Snapchat as a tutorial tool. So I'm just going to go and find some of the responses. 
And this is quite often what some feedback I get from students is that they like how informal it is. I hadn't realised until a few years ago um, that students find um, sending emails to staff really quite stressful and prohibitive. Like they won't do it because it's just too stressful. Uh, so they quite often students will say they, they like the informality of it. And I think writing a, a message on Snapchat, it can be to the point. You don't have to do an introduction you don't have to think about how am I going to start this email. You can literally just pop on briefly uh, with, with the communication. And also they like the, the instancy of the communication. When I go on to Snapchat, I go on because I've got time and I want to be there and I'm instigating a discussion or a tutorial with them. So there is instant communication back and forth between myself uh, and the students and also uh, the students have said I don't actually check my emails very often whereas I do check Snapchat and I think we need to appreciate the fact that students generally <laughs> don't check their emails whereas uh, on apps like Snapchat they're quite often on their phones so I guess it's easier to, to access them. One of the students also said that they like uh, I, I don't just share academic things for example I do obstacle course training, so I do um, monkey bars, I, I do gymnastics, so sometimes I'll, I'll share some videos of that, or for example, this morning on the walk up to school, um, we built a few snowmen, so I shared a picture of my wee boy and the snowman that we built, and I said, what, what do you think of that? And they said, well, we think it's really good because we get to know you as a person, it doesn't become, we get to know a bit about you, and also we get to know about our classmates as well. So recently I said to them, oh, I asked them if they had any pets. I can't remember how this conversation started. But so then the whole class was were sharing pictures of their pets, uh, which, was, which was really cool. And one of them included uh, camels and goats <laughs> from one of our international students. It was awesome. So again, these are conversations and experiences that perhaps might not come up, but the students get to learn uh, a bit more about each other. And that was even more important last year with my first year group who who hadn't got to meet each other. It uh, was really important. And I think I think Snapchat helped to facilitate that in a way that perhaps wouldn't have been possible if we hadn't been using Snapchat. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think it's fantastic you've kind of built this rapport with your students. Also knowing you as a person, as you've mentioned, but not knowing you only purely because you're marking them or teaching them. What's interesting got me thinking, and I want to ask you, is that how do you feel from a kind of academic point of view that the transition of students using Snapchat and then transition into them actually doing the assessment when they have to write in formal ways? Uh, because you mentioned earlier on that Writing emails can be stressful. I mean, I get stressed when there's so many notifications, let alone <laughs> writing an email. But I get that, right? You have to kind of write it in a way that is acceptable. Yeah. So how do you feel in terms of the transition between students using Snapchat with you and them doing the assessment or writing formally? Yeah, and I think there's, there's two aspects to that. For example, for the last two years, our students have had exams online that's essentially been open book exams and this year is the first year where they've had to sit face-to-face -face exams under exam situations in an exam hall so that was a huge change for the students because for a lot of them they perhaps maybe hadn't had exams in the last year of school so it was three years they've had without any formal examinations and I think it was very difficult for, for those students in particular uh, this year and what I try to do with that is I hold tutorials related to past paper questions on Snapchat and I think sometimes students do badly in exams not because they don't know the answers but they don't know how to answer an exam question they don't perhaps understand what describe really means or explain or so I think I also have a session just describing what these what these terms actually mean and we break the exam questions down so I think 
taking that opportunity on Snapchat, yes, it's less informal, but I think it helps to demystify the experience or, or the expectations of answering exam questions. So I'm not sure exactly if there's an issue with this transitioning into written papers or the fact that the students haven't had the experience of doing written exams uh, for the last two years might have been uh, problematic. But I think certainly they, they, they like and they benefit from these interactions. And one thing that I like in particular is before I started using Snapchat, you would get a couple of students who would be very proactive. They would do past paper questions and send them to you to, to request some feedback and those students would get would, would benefit from that. Whereas if we hold this tutorial on Snapchat, the whole class gets to benefit from these interactions. So quite often you can get students who perhaps you might think are, are sitting in the background. It doesn't mean they're not interacting. They could be interacting in their thoughts, but might not necessarily be, be verbal in, the, in their interactions with you. And I love the fact that everyone gets to benefit from these interactions, whether they are actively participating in answering questions or whether they're observing uh, what's going on. But I still, there's an act of the, the fact of, of, of listening or, or reading is action in itself. And I really love that Snapchat can do that for, for everyone, not just the more proactive students in the class. That's great. And how about on the flip side, though? I presume those you might have students whose digital skills are not are different compared to others. How have you in, try to engage those who are less engaged or, for example, they are not on Snapchat? Do you feel they are missing out and how do you kind of counteract that? And that's a very good point and it's something that I am very aware of. And a couple of years ago, I got a very lengthy email from one of my students who really thought that it was inappropriate that I was using Snapchat as a means of communication with the students and it turned out that the student didn't really know how Snapchat worked. She wasn't a mature student. She said, oh, the messages disappear within five seconds. Why would you bother uh, using that? Why are you communicating on this platform? And I think I was able to, to respond to her and say, well, actually, in a group chat, if I press on the message, it will stay uh, indefinitely. So the communication uh, does remain. And for her, another issue was that she was living on a canal boat. So she wasn't living in university hall. She wasn't living somewhere with, with, with Wi-Fi. But there is access, obviously, in the university. And what I try to do, and that's why I always ask the students, where do you want me to communicate with you? Because not everyone is on, on Snapchat, but the, the year groups always tend to have a year group Facebook group. And typically what happens is what I was doing originally when I first started the Snapchat tutorials was I was screenshotting any relevant information and then uploading it to Moodle, which is um, on our university VLE. But that just became too time consuming, really. And what I then said to the students was, is it OK if I ask you to screenshot any relevant information and share it on your class uh, Facebook group? So that's what happens now. And I can see that it's happened because I get notification that a screenshot's been taken and they'll say that's that's me shared it. So absolutely, I'm very aware that not everyone is on Snapchat and that's why it's optional as well. Uh, I don't do anything uh, on Snapchat that can't be done in any other uh, setting. So the students, we do have tutorials in the classroom. So if there are students who don't want to be on Snapchat, they still have that opportunity. They still have my email address. So there are, there are ways for those students to contact me. I do feel that students who, who are not on the Snapchat group do miss out a little bit, but I'm doing my best to make sure that they're still included by making sure that any relevant information is screenshotted and shared on the class Facebook group. And that's fantastic. I'm sure that you have colleagues who's asked you many times before of why 
Why using Snapchat? Why not use other types of social media? You mentioned Facebook as well. But what do your your colleagues think about you using <laughs> Snapchat? There's usually a bit of eye rolling uh, involved. <laughs> and But at the same time, my colleagues want to get a message out to the student. They'll be the first people to say, well, can you send a message to the students on Snapchat? Because they know that the students will respond to that. They know the students will see the message. They might send a, a message out to the class by email, but we know that students aren't particularly good at opening up their emails. So I think varied <laughs> opinions about my use of Snapchat, but it certainly comes in handy to, to some of my colleagues when they want to get a message out there. And you mentioned about why Snapchat? Why why not some of these um, other apps? And some people always say, well, what about WhatsApp? It, it does the same thing. The difference between using WhatsApp and Snapchat is that with WhatsApp, you need to share your mobile phone number with the recipient. And as much as I love my students, I don't want to share my mobile phone number with them. So with Snapchat, you share a Snap code. And that's another thing that makes it quite easy. I can put my Snap code, so it's a picture of your Bitmoji uh, and it's kind of similar, I guess, to a QR code and that you scan it and then they can join the chat. And you can put that on a PowerPoint presentation in class, the students can scan it and then and then join the group or you can post it anywhere. So that's why Snapchat for me is better than WhatsApp. We don't have to be sharing each other's mobile phone numbers. Facebook, I've, I've always asked the students if they want to, to meet uh, on Facebook, but for some reason, and I think it's just because they hear about using Snapchat from the year above that they always say, no, no, let's go with Snapchat. And I'm very aware that Snapchat might might fall out of favour and that's fine but I'll just say to the students okay what next where now uh, because the, the engagement that I get is so valuable in both directions I really value the engagement that I have with them and I think the feedback I get from the students they find it very, very valuable as well. That's brilliant and I think it's that you've mentioned a couple of things there in terms of risks as well in terms of sharing your personal details and particularly like the fact they told you about the ghosting at all you really don't want your students to know where you are (laughs) every day (laughs) but it's it's, it's interesting and I'm just thinking surely so have you seen kind of the the growth the the sense of community in your class that they kind of more comfortable with each other and comfortable with you when they are actually in the class in terms of increasing those engagement within the class do you think they're still very much in silos well, I think it's definitely helped um, by the fact that we have small year group sizes. So our year group sizes, as I said, are usually 30, 40 students. So regardless of what I'm doing on Snapchat, the students do have an opportunity to get to know each other uh, a bit better than perhaps if you're part of a, a year group of I don't know, 300, 400 students. But I, th- I certainly think it enhances it. And also what the students have said is they feel that it makes me more approachable because they feel as if they know me a bit better than perhaps other members of staff. I think the fact that I am accessible, our students, and the timetable our students have is, is really full on. They're learning essentially two professions. They're learning to be a prosthetist and an orthotist in one degree. So they're pretty much in nine to five every day apart from a Wednesday afternoon. So there's very limited opportunities for students to to reach out to staff uh, other than through email, which we know they don't really like doing. So I think that's another advantage is that I am available out with normal uh, office hours. And that there are disadvantages to that um, as well. And I think we need to be aware of that. I go on to Snapchat when I've got time. I don't have notifications set up on my phone. So if someone says we're missing Snapchat, I don't know until I check. I do check it fairly regularly anyway. 
but it's about managing expectations as well. When I start a Snapchat session, the students can see that I'm there, I'll pop up and they'll be able to see that, that I'm there and invariably we get, get a lot of inter- interaction with that. But importantly as well, I'll say, I'll give them an indication that, okay, that's me heading off now or well done uh, or hitting the sack or something. Use a bit more to say, right, that's me, I'm away. And I think if, if you are interested in using Snapchat, it's about managing expectations. If you don't want to use it out with normal working hours, that's fine as long as you've got time in your programme to be able to do that. We don't, which is why I do use it out with normal working hours. But I think, yeah, again, it's just about managing those those expectations. I'm, I'm, I was just thinking you must be the most popular <laughs> member of staff on campus. <laughs> If you're very accessible all the time. <laughs> all the time. And I think I think we do have to, to weigh this up. For example, there was a time um, I was out on a walk with my husband and my wee boy and it was the day before an exam and the students were quite uh, active on the Snapchat and my husband was getting irritated, just saying, seriously, can you get off your phone? So I guess we need to be mindful of the, of the impact it can have on your work-life balance as well. But that's why, and I also previously, I remember speaking to a student last year and I thought I was being helpful, being available to students kind of later on in the evening. So sometimes I would get messages at 10 o'clock at night and I would respond to that. And actually the students in conversation said, I actually find that a bit stressful like I, I couldn't switch off so I'm a lot, a lot more mindful now about saying okay what what time should we cut off this type of communication because the students were like oh sometimes when I get notification I just I just find it stressful I feel, feel like I'm missing out on something so I'm a lot more mindful about having the conversation with students to say okay what time should we have a cut off of communication. No it's great that you've mentioned a lot of benefits and risks there so if we have people who are listening to this podcast um, they are intrigued by using Snapchat but they're not at well they're not very confident in terms of actually using it or starting to use it what would you say would be Suzanne's top tip to engage students through Snapchat? Well, I would say first of all try and get a couple of friends colleagues or even younger relatives involved in actually creating a Snapchat group to, to learn with, with other people. I have actually created a, a video which I have posted on YouTube so I can give you the link that takes you through the process of creating a group on Snapchat and shows you shows you what to do. But I think, yeah, having a dummy run with colleagues or with friends and just working out what's possible would, would be my top tip before you start using it with students or do what I did, go into it with students as partners who help you to develop your use of Snapchat eh, as a tutorial tool. And one thing so that I wanted to mention is, I think you talked earlier about inappropriate use of Snapchat. And Snapchat historically, I guess, gets a bit of a, a bad name because the, the pictures can disappear between three or, or 10 seconds. Sometimes it's used, it uh, has been used for, for sending nudes, etc. Uh, and people have said to me, well, have you ever been sent anything uh, that you shouldn't have on your Snapchat group? So I'm pleased to report the only thing that was ever sent to me that wasn't meant for the group was a deal on shampoos uh, <laughs> in a supermarket. <laughs> so it was a picture of a shampoo and conditioner deal saying, this is not a drill, this is not a drill. <laughs> Uh, and then she was like, oh my goodness, sorry, I didn't mean to send that. Uh, so <laughs> thankfully that's the only thing that I've ever been <laughs> that I shouldn't have. But the students are fantastic that, that I work with in using Snapchat. They're always super kind, super helpful to each other. And it's a very supportive environment to be in. I always say there's no such thing as a stupid question. If you don't understand something, it's probably because I haven't explained it in a way that helps you understand. We can explain things in many different ways. If you don't understand it, it's probably because I haven't explained it in a particular way that helps you 
to understand. So I'm always quite open to say, look, there's no questions that, that you can't ask. And I, and I think the students like that. They like being the permission to, to or to know that there's no questions really that, that are off bounds. No, that's wonderful. If we're looking ahead to the future then, Susan, how do you think your work in terms of using Snapchat will evolve in higher education? Um, that's a very good question. So currently there's very little literature in relation to the use of Snapchat as a tutorial tool. When you look at the literature in relation to using social media in higher education, it's all based around um, Twitter or WhatsApp, and there's very little, if anything, on Snapchat. So I kind of feel a sense of responsibility uh, to do something with the experience um, that I have. So I'm currently doing an educational doctorate, doing an ED, so that's taking up a lot of my time. But as part of that, I, I really want to explore and try and get some data to, I guess, support my use of Snapchat as a tutorial tool. To because I think if if we can publish some material in relation to our use of Snapchat, I guess it would help to to promote it. Uh, and perhaps get people to use it more more widely. Well, that's fantastic. And I think Snapchat, you've kind of sold it, that it could be a tool to use, but yeah. you will have to use it in a in a safe and efficient way for the purpose of education rather than, yes, we could, you just mentioned their shared sales about shampoos. Maybe you might be interested in shampoos, but I think it's all about having the expectation and setting those rules right at the start yeah. of what's okay and what's not okay. And I think you've very much highlighted that. And it would be quite interesting to see how your, your doctorate goes and, and one day how you would then tell it to the big wide world on how Snapchat has changed your life, maybe. <laughs> well, actually, my, my doctorate is actually going to be based on Lego. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. I did a literature review as one of my assignments for the use of social media and higher education. So that's where, where the Snapchat thing came in. And that's where I thought, actually, I should probably... Uh, gather some some data on this but no my, my doctorate hopefully ultimately is going to be looking at the use of lego series play to enhance participation of non-native speakers of english in group work activity so an extension of the, the work that we did with with yukisa yeah <laughs> yeah yeah maybe that's a whole another conversation about <laughs> <laughs> about legos i mean we can spend a whole day uh, <laughs> talking about that so let's end with a fun part suzanne uh, I've got a quick short firing round for our listeners and for myself to know you a bit more. Yeah. My tip to you is to just don't think too much. Okay. <laughs> um, don't analyse it too much like data. Just say what you feel. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. What would be your favourite superpower? Encourage, I think the power to make people believe in themselves, I think. Yeah, I'll go with that. Tea or coffee? Oh, neither. I don't drink tea or coffee. I'm a, what? I know. I How know. do you survive? <laughs> uh, not because of any really righteous reason. I just don't like the taste of tea or coffee. So I'm either kind of like a water or Pepsi Max kind of girl or, or Prosecco preferably, but not during working hours, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's when you have to put your ghost mode on. <laughs> People can find you on campus. It's like, oh, where are you? Reunion. <laughs> What is your favourite filter on Snapchat? Ooh, oh, oh, uh, Naomi. That's definitely the one that I use most often. Yeah, I like that one. So it's one that makes me look younger and less wrinkly. I like that. <laughs> if Bitmoji is not available or a thing, what would you choose in, t- in place of that? Oh, I think you're leading me to say GIF here, aren't you? <laughs> if, if a Bitmoji is not available, I will use a GIF. Reluctantly. Shocking, no emojis. 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, emojis. That, that goes without saying. Definitely use emojis. I use emojis quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> if you are to pick one learning or teaching platform, excluding Snapchat, what would it be? Uh, and the opportunities that it's afforded to my students, especially during lockdown, would probably be Padlet, I think. Yeah, because it's allowed me to, to share the, the videos of patient assessment and allowed the students to interact with me, so I would go for Padlet, I think. Oh, I'm torn now though between that and escape rooms and OneNote, so yeah. Do I have to choose one? Just the one? Do I have to choose? Okay, it's going to be Padlet then. <laughs> What's your favourite movie? Oh, I am rubbish when it comes to movies, that's a good question. I can't even think of any. Oh, oh no, I'm, yeah, I haven't even got an answer. What genre do you movie. like watching then? Oh, rom-com and mostly Disney movies. Probably <laughs> Disney movie then. <laughs> Disney movie, oh, I'm afraid to say I do really quite like Frozen. I'd like to watch Encanto, but my little boy is scared of it for some reason that I'm not aware of. But yeah, I do love a bit of Frozen. I, I love the music eh, from, from Disney movies. Yeah, love a bit of Little Mermaid music. I'm not doing my street cred much recently, am I? <laughs> so, other than your phone, your laptop, your iPad, or Snapchat, what would be the one best thing to carry around to show students and or colleagues in the corridor? My scooter. <laughs> do, you, how... do you usually carry that around to campus? I do. I get. I commute from the train to. I to mean, the in the corridors, you scoot up and down the corridors. I may have been known to use my scooter in the corridor. Actually, oh, wow. the students are brilliant. The students will, if I go on my scooter, so they're not, um, the first two doors into the, the, to my building are automatic, but the third one's not. But the students see me coming, they'll open the door and I can scoot right, right to my office door. So yeah, <laughs> most likely to be found on my scooter on campus. <laughs> So we know that you've done a lot of gymnastic when you were younger, but what is your hidden talent aside from gymnastic? Oh, I might be juggling. Um, so when I went, when I was about 15, 16, I went two years in a row adventure holiday in France to the Dordogne region and learned to juggle. So I learned to juggle, juggle with three balls and then I learned to juggle with juggling clubs. And then a few years ago, just before a friend I was pregnant, my husband got my unicycle. Uh, so my, my talent that I want to be able to combine is learning how to use the unicycle and juggling. So yeah, watch out for me in the circus. <laughs> What's your favourite music genre? Oh, I do love belting out. Um, Oh, no, 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 no! <laughs> I don't answer this one. What do I like? I don't know. Do you like rock? No, not rock. I can't imagine you. No, I'm more of a fan. Rock or metal? <laughs> no, no, I'm certainly not a heavy metal fan. Oh, I don't know. You have to scrub this question. I can't even answer that. <laughs> okay. What would be your alternative careers that you secretly wish you had but never actually pursued? Oh, that's an interesting question. I don't know, I quite, I quite like um, the thought of becoming a, a full-time Lego series play facilitator. I think that'd be, be quite cool, but actually maybe using it in, in settings that could really help people. So I think maybe using them for people who are dealing with very difficult situations because uh, communicating through Lego is so much easier. So I'd maybe go some, some way down that road, yep. Who are your favourite learning and teaching heroes? That's an awful question to ask me. <laughs> there are too many to name, um, but I've had to 
single it. You haven't got all day. <laughs> okay, but if I single out just one person who's been absolutely instrumental in, in my journey and who actually introduced me to the social media and higher education conference, and I think you know who I'm going to say, uh, it would be Sue Beckingham. She's just been so welcoming uh, and so giving uh, with her knowledge and has introduced me to a whole host of fantastic people, including Deb Bath, uh, Donna Rubell, Sarah White and Rachel uh, Rochelle O'Brien as well. So all fantastic people who inspire me greatly. That's fantastic. I think we've all got soft spot for Sue here. <laughs> She's got a fan club that she doesn't know yet. Or she might know, I don't know. <laughs> get badges made. <laughs> but Sue definitely very much taking me uh, under her wing. I basically uh, met her at the first SOCMED HE conference that I went to and she's just been fantastic and a, a great source of support and encouragement um, ever since then. That's fantastic. And finally then, because our podcast is called The Education Burrito, What's your favourite burrito fillings? Okay, gonna have to have something with jalapenos uh, in it. So mince, jalapenos, peppers, uh, a bit of cheese and sour cream and guacamole. <laughs> well, that, that's the recipe we need next time we see each other. Absolutely. I can't promise you I'll bring you a, a burrito, but um, <laughs> uh, I'll just have it down as a recipe or something. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Well, that's all we have time for in this episode. If our listeners want to find out more about what you do, Suzanne, how can they do so? You can contact me uh, on Twitter, it's probably the easiest thing to do. Uh, my Twitter handle is at S Faulkner, F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R, capital P, then the word and, then capital O. <laughs> so I look forward to, to catching up with you on Twitter. Fantastic and massive thank you again to you Suzanne Faulkner for sharing with us your work in using Snapchat to engage students in higher education. Thank you so much for inviting me Q, it's been brilliant, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and tuning into the Education Burrito. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on and be sure to like it and share it on social media tagging us at the hashtag the Education Burrito. If you have enjoyed our chat today and fancy coming onto the show, no matter as a student or member of staff, do drop us a message as we unwrap learning and teaching in the Education Burrito.